Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 26 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and throw ahead a, go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. I've been doing the same intro for 26 episodes and I finally just messed That's it up. That's the first time you've really, I really, really messed it up. I really think it is, but we're going to keep it in. Who cares? Kickoff is seven weeks away. Seven weeks from right now, we will be in the bounce house. Theoretically. Well, theoretically. Well, I guess seven weeks from as we're recording this, because if you're listening to this, you will have already been in the bounce house. You'll already know the results of the game. Yeah. Drop a comment, let us know how you see the <laughs> It's just, it's seven weeks away. I feel like, I, I told you this earlier over text, I think next week I'll really feel like it's close. I don't know, six something about six weeks feels yeah. like a, like, oh, that's that's in, within range. I don't know why. I, I also feel like I need to disclose as we get into this podcast, I did something I've not done before, before we do this podcast, which is I drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like may impact my ability since I already talk a million miles a minute and can never stay on topic. I'm sure the coffee will help just fine with that. So this is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah, this podcast. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I, I just hope I can keep up at some point, uh, and you, you might lose me. But I'll do your best. We'll we'll find we'll find our way back to uh, the path, I guess. But we're uh, we're seven weeks away, so we're starting to kind of get into the range where we can preview. The upcoming season. So tonight on this podcast, or I guess today as you're listening to this, I always mess that up too. <laughs> um, we are talking UCF preseason awards. Um, and before we get into that, we have some big news that broke on Wednesday night. And that is that UCF and Florida are going to play each other in football. No, like legit real football, seriously. Christian sent that to our group chat last night. And I said like, I thought he meant like football, like soccer. I thought it was just like a joke. I was so mad at both of you. I thought I thought like the soccer schedule came out or something, and you were like, "Oh, they're playing a football," and I was like, "Oh, haha, very funny." And then I went to Twitter and I was like, "Wait, hold on, I got to read about this." And then while I was reading it, Christian was like, "You need to be more excited about this." And I was like, "I'm still reading the article." Yeah, because this obviously this is like a monumental deal and like a, a game that we've talked about theoretically for it feels like a decade plus now. And well, I said, we both included it. Well, do we both include it on our? Uh, we we talked about who we wanted UCF to schedule. One of us did, and we both agreed, so. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, there are a lot of reasons why this is a really, really good matchup, and which is why, for the millionth time, I just can't stand this fan base. Like, <laughs> I, like, I, like listen, I, I'm going to, it's so good I drink a cup of coffee before this. I, I like, to, to those of you who are listening, because I know just mathematically many of you are upset about this, because that was my biggest surprise, is like, I did, I had no idea UCF fans were going to be upset about this. That really caught me off guard. I thought some would. I didn't think it was going to well, be the some volume. some UCF fans would be upset about literally anything. Yes. UCF I could go into and win the Peach Bowl, and there'd be UCF fans who'd find a way to I didn't think, upset. like, the, the volume of people that are upset with it, I'm, I'm surprised by that. It's, like, split down the middle. Which is wild. So, here, I'll break it down for you, UCF fans. Is, the, <laughs> like... Oh man, I just yeah, the coffee was a horrible idea. <laughs> I you some of you have a re- have reasons where I'm like, okay, fine, that's your opinion and that's fine. It's the like, oh, the games are like too far away, which like, I'm sorry that that's the way literally all of college football schedules is <laughs> so unfortunate. Or like, oh, it should have been a home and home, which is stupid, let that go. The the ones I can't get past are the people who are just like, like there are actual UCF fans who are on Twitter who are like, "Oh no, I didn't want to play a game we could lose." And I'm like, are you, like, it's really dawned on me today that there was, like, at least a sort of significant portion of the fan base that actually wanted to just be all talk forever and not actually ever have to back it up on the field. Like, there are people that's like, why would we schedule a series that we can't possibly win? It's like, you same people who have been going on Twitter and saying, like, UCF would be undefeated in the SEC, we're the best program in the state. You're, now now that it's happening, you're like, oh no, no, we can't beat Florida. What are we doing? We're not going to win in Gainesville. Which, first off, 
that's why this is such a great series because I've said before and I've more or less stood by it. I mean, I talked about I wrote a KS, I wrote a Night Sports Now story a couple weeks ago about how UCF has to be really careful with their scheduling in the 12 team era because you don't want it to schedule too tough. And I stand by that, but this is a really advantageous team to play. They're not Alabama, they're not Clemson, they're not Ohio State, they're not Oklahoma. But they think for, they are. They think they are. <laughs> and national people kind of give them some of that credit. Like, Florida is a super respected brand, but they're beatable. Florida is not good a lot of the time. There's a really decent chance that you see... Like, 2024, that's not a... Like, when there were rumors a few months ago, and I don't know if it's still happening, about UCF was going to schedule a game with Bama, that was very much a, like, that's cool, we're going to lose, but that's yeah. cool. Like, this is very much a game where UCF could absolutely win that game. I looked up in the college football playoff era, Florida has lost to a lot of not great teams at home. I mean, they've lost to 7-6 and six South Carolina at home. They've lost to Missouri multiple times. They just lost to LSU, who was 5-5 five and five this past year. So and if, you, so if you're a UCF fan and you truly believe that UCF is one of the top teams in college football, why are you afraid to go play in the Swamp? What bowl game did Florida go to last year? Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and they had like three or four losses already, right? They went eight and four last year. Eight and four. That was, I, I think that was on paper their best season since yeah. Tebow, and it was eight and four. Well, they had the, they had the one year they beat Michigan and. The, the sure, but they Bowl. they didn't win the SEC East that year. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just funny because you look at last year's team and like you think, oh yeah, Florida was good last year. They still lost four games. They're still yeah. they're still a very beatable team. It, they lost to a five and five team. Yeah. And so that's the part of it that's funny is where it's like, oh, we can't possibly like we can't possibly see UCF beating Florida. Like, why not? Especially if, if we're believing Gus Malzahn and his staff and what they're like planning on building and all of this stuff. You know, a few years down the line, UCF should be you know in a, in a considerably better place than it is right now. And even right now, it's in a pretty good place. Like I think if they played this year, I still would say that's probably a competitive game. I'd say UCF could win this year. Yeah, they Florida could. lost I don't like know, I don't know all what Florida their top looks players. like this year. UCF could totally win this year. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't really get that. Anyone saying I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't see how anyone could look at these two programs as as they are right now and as they've been in the last few years and say there's no way UCF's winning. This isn't a winnable series. I just don't get how you can claim that UCF runs the state of Florida and then shy away from wanting to back that up on the field. Well, and I guess we probably should have, should have prefaced this and just spelled it out for anyone for, right, for some reason. Right, so, which is good because I want to get yeah. into some other complaints people are having. So the first game would be in 2023 in Gainesville. The return trip to Orlando would be in 2030, which is not a real year. <laughs> and in Gainesville uh, back again in 2033, which again, I, I don't think that's real. So that seems to be the part that a lot, a big chunk of fans are hung up on too, is they're like, oh, why isn't this scheduled for a few years from now? And it's like, well, because that's not the way that works. Like, I don't think the average fan understands how messed up our scheduling situation is. Well, that's right the thing now. is like, because if you look at UCF's schedule, like a couple years ago, it's, oh, we have, still have slots. So it's like, oh, don't, don't other teams still have slots? No. No, no one else does. No. Other I, Washington and Michigan scheduled in for like 2037 earlier this week. I'm surprised Florida had one in 2023. To I'm a, or 2024. But oh, 2024. I, I'm a is that that is the case and I just the other thing because the other thing that people are saying is like oh first off it was like well I'm sure that game will be a camping world and then the report from the Orlando Summit clarifies no it'll be at the balance house and I was like well Florida's just gonna cancel and I'm like okay let, let's run through the scenarios here I want someone to actually explain to me what the downside is of this series let's say that worst case scenario UCF plays at Florida in 2024 and loses and then Florida cancels the rest of the series that's the worst possible outcome let's go there First off, 
Florida, I'm sure we'll see once the contract comes out, UCF's going to get a lot of money if Florida cancels the rest of the series, okay. which is great. Money's always awesome. And as of right now, like, there are not national people that are like, oh, UCF's going to win this game. Nationally, the perspective is that UCF would lose to Florida, of course, because Florida's the SEC Florida team. So if UCF loses, nothing changed. It's no different than it is now. There's very little downside and a ton of upside. If UCF wins, they get to brag that they're the cream of the crop in the state of Florida for like seven years <laughs> before they play Another again. Another thing, too, is... People that worry that Florida would win 2024 and then cancel the rest, what would be the upside for them to do that? I don't, it's just because that's, UCF's been burnt like that before, like when Texas canceled yeah. the series. But the problem is, like, it's just an absolutes thing where there are some UCF fans who are like, oh, so that's just what Power 5 teams do. It's like, <laughs> no, I really don't know why Florida would play one game. I could see if Florida loses the game, if yeah. they're then like, oh, we didn't know that Austin P had an opening that year. Uh, we have to, but, but then they way, also so have to pay what? the money up. That's you, the thing. So, so like, you're no... beating Florida and getting paid to beat them? It's I just, I really want someone to actually explain to me what the downside is of this, because the only genuine things I can say are people complaining about when the dates are, which we can't control, or complaining about, oh, we might lose. Which, like, guys, that's how college football works. We talked about forever anyone. how we want to be in the playoff. We want to prove it on the field. Give us a chance. And now you have the chance, and you're just complaining and complaining and complaining that you have the chance. I don't understand it. I really don't. This is maybe the most mad I've ever been at this fan base. <laughs> and that's saying something, because I very rarely agree with the fans, because I'm basically a contrarian. Yeah, this is a... Uh... I think this is the most heated you've gotten on an episode of Texas Because I was just so caught off guard. Like, when I saw that news, I, I was like, this is amazing. This is so exciting. And then everyone's just fuming. I mean, pe people are, like, in shambles. It's worse than when Gus Malzahn got hired. And then the first night, everyone's like, Gus Malzahn's a horrible hire. I mean, it really is shades of that to me. I don't know if people just need time to adapt. By the way, the coffee was a horrible idea before this podcast. To, so, yeah, to, to peel back <laughs> the curtain a little bit, like we do sometimes. Christian texted me this morning and said we're going to need a little bit of time on the podcast to... For him to rant about UCF fans and their response to this. And I, I kind of was like, oh, I kind of know how that's going to go. I didn't really see that, like, the volume, like, this volume would get, you get that high of the volume. I've been so angry today. It just, because it, <laughs> it also just makes UCF. <laughs> it's an evergreen statement for you to <laughs> <laughs> apply to almost any day. But it makes UCF fans look bad nationally, too. Because, I mean, everyone's always said, oh, you know, schedule better. Oh, that's another point I have to make really quickly is, <laughs> sorry, we're just, this is going to be the whole podcast now. It's just me angry about this series. Is a lot of fans are like, and I can't believe this is an opinion that fans actually still held. There was a lot of, wow, we really agreed for a two, a two for one. I can't believe it. It's like, guys, that didn't work. We tried that for five yeah, I mean, years under Danny White, and we scheduled no one look at the for schedule. five look years. Look at the schedule for the next few years, and you can see... I can't wait to play BYU and Liberty over and over again. Like, that's what they could I mean, get. The BYU series could be okay. It's not the same as playing oh, Florida no, or anything. I mean, there were reports this week that UCF tried to get a home-and-home home with, with Purdue, and Purdue turned them down. I, I <laughs> So, like, I just don't... It's Is it fair? No, it's not fair. No one was ever saying it's fair. And I'm not saying, like... I know there are national people It's like... UCF needs to do what Florida State did in the 1960s when there weren't even televisions and go play, you know, LSU on the road five straight years. No one's saying that, but you well, have to be okay. Some people are with... saying that. But... Well, some people are. But you have to be okay with two-for-ones with top-level programs. Florida, as far as brand appeal, is probably a top-15 program in college football. You have to make some concessions to get those games. And props to Florida for willing to play UCF in the regular season. Yeah, I'm actually still a little bit surprised about that, honestly. I am too. I never thought they'd agree to something like that. Don't, I don't think Miami would agree to that. Which is another story, because 
Miami has, like, I think Florida has less of a reason to agree to play UCLA. That's the other thing is Florida, there's no upside to play these games. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's like, I show a little respect to Florida for two for one or whatever, and they're willing to come, and everyone's like, oh, but they'll just cancel the game, which isn't true, but they're willing to come play in the bounce house. They're not going to get a bunch of Florida fans in the bounce house. It's not like when they play USF this year and they're going to get 40,000 <laughs> UF grads. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't see the downside for UCF, but again, yeah, I don't really see the upside for Florida, but props to them for doing it. It's on the schedule for those three years, and you know, we'll just hold out hope that those games don't get canceled. But really, there's no—I don't think there's any reason to just go into the whole series saying, "Oh, the ghost games are going to get canceled." And you know what? It's if, possible. If they sure, do, but... so what? That's thirty-year-old me's problem. Like <laughs> he, can, he can worry about it. I, there's a game in a few years where UCS playing Florida in the regular season. I'm excited. Let's just be excited. Yeah, I mean, well, why be excited when you can be mad? Honestly, that's how I do most of my life things. <laughs> so maybe I relate to UCF fans more than I think. But anyway, rant over. I'm turning rant off the over rest of the podcast. I mean. We'll see about that. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't think there's anything in these UCF preseason awards that we're going to get to that is going to get you quite. This to is that. the topic that I don't think I can get. Mad I, yeah, about. I don't think so. I think we'll this, this, the rest of this podcast should be more about just kind of excitement for the season. And you never can tell kind of, me. That is very true. You did also have that coffee, and we'll see how that continues to affect the rest of this <laughs> podcast. But we'll uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll do our, our preseason awards, and we're going to do five five old topics here. We've got offensive MVP, defensive MVP. Breakout player of the year, biggest surprise, and biggest letdown. So we'll uh, we'll see how much we differ on these. I think we've we've kind of talked about it before. We jumped on the podcast here, but offensive MVP will start there. I'm pretty Which sure. I just want to say for the record, UCF fans, listen up because we are going to be prophetic with this. I mean, this is all going to play out exactly <laughs> as we're predicting it. So well, we'll see. All right, offensive MVP. You want to give me yours first? Yeah, I'm going to stun everyone with this one. It's going to be Dylan Gabriel. Really? I pick Quadri. <laughs> Yeah. Mikey Keene. We actually probably should have just said offensive MVP other than Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. I, I tried to, I tried that. Like, I just think, because I almost said we should just leave him out of it. But one, that's not how awards work. It's true. And two, I tried to think of, like, who else it could be. And there's just so many unknowns that I yeah. could not pick anyone else. I mean, basically all the skill positions are turning over. So yeah. It's just... So I'm, like, thinking, was it would have been Jalen Robinson? Like, I was, like, trying to pick an offensive lineman to give some some love to the guys up front. But, like, Matt, I can't. Matt Lee. Yeah, Matt Lee. I, I don't know. Be. Sam I don't know. You can't really pick anyone other than Dylan Gabriel. And... Well, also, when you have, I mean, Pro Football Focus just rated him as the fourth best quarterback in 2021. I yeah. Mean, you, you just can't beat that. You can't. You, have, you really can't. Give a top five quarterback in college football. Come on. And it's. It's I mean, funny. he's no Desmond Ritter. Don't get me wrong, but you mean the fortieth ranked quarterback That's in, right. the, in the country. So, according to Pro Football Focus, I just want to point out that Dylan Gabriel is the fourth best quarterback in college football, and Desmond Ritter is the fourth best quarterback, fourth best quarterback in the AAC. Just, just something to think about. Who was ahead of him? Oh, that's good. Uh, Clayton Tune. Oh. And Memphis's quarterback, whose name is. I had I okay. So I I saw like obviously I kind of just skimmed through the rankings. So I wasn't going to read hundred and thirty uh-huh. little blurbs. So I didn't even I missed completely missed that he was the fourth best quarterback in the yep. conference. I honestly think that Tulane's Michael Pratt should be ahead of him too, but we'll see how. What about uh, USF's quarterback that we didn't know? Existed? I already forgot his name. So <laughs> it's gonna suck when he like ha- like throws for like forty touchdowns or something this year. <laughs> hey, I mean maybe maybe so, but yeah, no, I, I just it couldn't be anyone other than Dylan Gabriel and what he's done as a freshman and as a sophomore. Well, I guess he's still a sophomore because of COVID year, but um, <laughs> but that's gonna be confusing forever. But what what he's done his first two seasons at UCF has been phenomenal, and I I'm really really intrigued to see what he does uh, in Gus Malzahn's offense. I'm just kind of curious to see how that adjustment goes, and I think it's going to go super well. And yeah, I mean I don't have too much to say about it really. Yeah, I mean I was a lot more nervous about the Malzahn adjustment, and you can listen to many podcasts where I've said that just because I don't know how mobile he is. But at the same time, like 
I know you're never going to, like, down-talk your own quarterback, but Malzahn's just seemed so pleased with Gabriel, and it just seemed like they felt they were in a really, really good place yeah. by the end of spring ball. I mean, we saw in the spring game he was more mobile, there was more creativity in the offense, and it seemed like where I felt like that could be a detriment, it seemed like because Heupel's offense was so simplistic, it seemed like he was thriving in that, in that little look we saw, and in the open practices, which... You know, I, I so I just I I'm feeling yeah. a lot more optimistic about where Dylan Gabriel's going to stand in the new offense. That's the thing that I'm so pumped about is just that this offense can't possibly be as simplistic as Heupel's, and so it should just be so much more fun. I to mean, watch. just by adding a third play, you're going <laughs> to really take things to another level. You mean, wait, you mean you can use the middle of the field? You're allowed to do that? <laughs> I mean, maybe well, once or twice. <laughs> it's yeah, no, it, it's going to be fun to watch, and I I'm just really excited for for this season. I, I think, and we might get onto this a little bit later, but. It just could be the last year we see Dylan Gabriel with UCF. I know you've long held the opinion that he's going to the NFL after this year. Yeah, I suspect he. I, I mean, it's like because I know that he doesn't have like the prototypical NFL quarterback body where it's like, oh, you can you know throw twenty touchdowns and ten picks and they're going to draft you in the first round. But yeah. I just it's it's going to be a weak year for quarterbacks. I mean, outside of like Spencer Rattler and like maybe Sam Howell, are there well, I mean, any I mean, like Desmond Ritter? Okay, I, I'm talking like <laughs> NFL prospects, like. I, I, so I don't know. I just I think that I mean if he has the type of it, it's contingent on him having the type of year we're expecting him to have. Because the other thing is Dylan Gabriel just strikes me as a guy where if he's showing up in mocks he's gonna go. Like I don't think he's gonna hold out for like being a top ten pick or something. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. We'll get. I, I have some things to say about this topic uh, later on. So okay, okay. We'll get there. We'll get oh, there. That's a nice tease. Yeah, we'll All get right. there. So uh, we'll, we'll flip over to the defensive side of the ball and go to defensive MVP. I want to hear yours first. I went with Khalil Davis. Okay. I almost did. You There's, were, did you go with Big Cat? I'm assuming. I did not. Really? I went with Tatum Bethune. Oh, I forgot about Tatum He Bethune. was really, really coming on strong towards the end of last year, and I think he's going to be a monster this year. Yeah. And I totally forgot about Tatum Bethune. As I was going through this, I was kind of intrigued just by, like, because last year the defense was so bad. and <laughs> That's an understatement. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's different because Khalil Davis is coming back. Dropping out last year, and there's Big Cat Bryant. But just looking down like the list, uh, looking down the roster, I was seeing a bunch of guys where I was like, oh, I mean, he could be, a, he could be a good pick, he could be a good pick. And there's there's far more, there's far much more talent than I like, kind of, I don't know, just generally thought of when I was like, oh, I mean, I don't really know what to expect from the defense this year. It has to be better. But then when I was actually looking at the amount of talent on the defense, I was like, this could be like a, a really, really strong defense. Well, the thing is, is, part of the reason the defense was so rough last year is because so many underclassmen like Tatum Bethune you know, we're playing a ton. And you sort of have to think that that is going to pay dividends in the long term, right? I mean, there's no Especially substitute the for in-game experience. I mean, yeah. So, no, I to- that's a good one. I totally can see that. And I think Kalia Davis is a guy, I thought I saw something recently where they're talking about him, like, as a potential NFL prospect for next year. Oh, too, I think right? he's going to get drafted. I think, yeah. he, I think him and Big Cat could both get drafted after this year. And I think that the other thing with Kalia Davis to me is just he he's a leader, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that we talk, we've talked on past podcasts that felt like, no disrespect in any way to Richie Grant or Aaron Robinson, but it felt like they didn't have that like heart and soul type guy, like a mm-hmm. I don't know, like a Pajasinski or a Shaquem Griffin or a Titus, Titus Davis. Davis. Yeah, and it that seems like a void he could fill. And also, I just really want to watch him and Desmond Ritter at least once in that Cincinnati <laughs> game. And I and I think that that alone is worth him being defensive MVP. But no, I'm really excited for him. He also just seems like a guy because there was a lot of frankly BS in some national media circles of like the guys who opted out and like oh, they, oh, don't they don't, they don't, they don't care football. about football they don't love football enough and that's so not Kalia Davis I mean he just it seems like he just has basically a full pent up year that he's just waiting oh, yeah. 
to just completely let go on a football field. And I, I'm really, really excited for him to be back. I think, I think, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a flat out difference maker. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that, uh, other save for the, the opt out stuff you can say about uh, Tatum Bethune, just because I think, I think he has the potential to be that guy in the middle of the defense. That's going to be a huge leader in terms of, you know, vocally. And I think also just his play. I, towards the end of last season, he was just, he was the guy, and I know I was doing for Night Sports Now, I was doing the um, like players of the game and all that, and he was just in consideration, it seems like, week after week, just because he was all over the yeah. field making plays, and I think he could be a guy, I mean, with that experience under his belt last year, he could be a guy that really, really steps up again this year. Um, but He was, just to give you, so Tatum Bethune, he had 57 tackles, 7 tackles for loss, 2.5 sacks, and a pick. Yeah. That's for 10-game season, too. Yeah, I mean, he was he was making an impact, and I think... Again, and I, I think what's more what's more exciting too, just like seeing um, Gus Malzahn's offense in action, seeing UCF go back to more of like a multiple defense and mm-hmm. just be be very very up the things that they do and kind of attack in different ways. I think that's going to be interesting to watch and how you know the defensive staff is going to employ uh, or deploy all the the talent on the defense is going to be a heck of a thing to see. So I yeah, I think this is a, a defense that Bethune's going to going to thrive in and. That experience last year, where he was kind of just, just kind of scratching the surface, I think that's really going to help this year, um, and, and really, really make him a star on this defense. Um, it, it is interesting, and I'm gonna well, we're gonna talk about this more on another one of our preseason awards because okay. I get it, but I, like the defense as a whole, it's just gonna be very interesting because it's that whole unit. I'm is just, more interested know. in the defense than the offense, which is funny because the offense we basically got a whole new group of wide receivers and a whole new group of running backs. Yeah. So there's a lot of intrigue there, and a whole yeah. new offensive systems. So there's a lot of intrigue there, but it's it still just kind of feels like with the guys they have, we know more or less how that's going to go. And the yeah. defense is definitely the bigger question mark to me. But yeah, I mean, it, I think too. It, yes, it's a bigger question mark, but it's just for some reason to me, I'm just thinking it's it's a lot. Not to say a lot more exciting, but I'm saying it's it's more exciting to me just because. Because of that unknown and because of the amount of talent that there is, and just to see how that all unfolds is going to be going to be really exciting. Well, we've also been conditioned for a few years now that the defense is just completely secondary yeah, to that's true. the team, and I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So Yeah, and, and when you think back to some of the, the past UCF teams, like just back in 2016 when the offense was still trying to figure things out, that defense oh, yeah. was so much fun. Oh, that defense was insane. That was I love that defense. the so last much. time I think, well, save for I think the Auburn game, I think that was the last time I had fun watching the defense play. But you also got to remember that Auburn game kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, no, we it did. Really caught so by the, by the end of the 2017 season, I was like, goodness gracious, Shenander needs to leave. And then they <laughs> I came forgot how and, much you hated Shenander. Oh, it was, it was horrible. But just the, down the stretch of that season, it was like the UCF couldn't stop anyone. Yeah. And then you get to the Auburn game, and they put together the performance they did. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what the defense can do this year and, and kind of just seeing how all that plays out. But our last, like, player-centric award, we're going to go breakout player of the year. Which could be either side of the ball. Yes. You could honestly argue that if Tatum Bethune's defensive MVP is probably breakout player of the year, too. This is also, yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Give me, your, pick. give me your breakout I play. picked Jordan Johnson. Not that one. Just the, the wide receiver one. You know what's funny is that actually tripped me up for a second. <laughs> for about a split second there, I was like, what is he? Oh, not for, not okay. former UCF center Jordan Johnson. Okay. This is UCF wide receiver Jordan Johnson. Transfer from Notre Dame. Former five-star. And like we talked about this a couple days ago, just I don't think we've made a big enough deal about what he like what he brings to the roster, like just his addition, what his addition is, because this is a guy that it's not like he like flamed out at Notre Dame because he wasn't a good player. It was it was more like off field stuff. It was in the classroom, correct? Yeah, that that's that's why because we were like you said we were talking this the other day where I was like 
Because it's just sort of like, even when you get a really high-profile transfer who had a lot of stars coming out of high school, there's always the, like, oh, well, he transferred. And I'm like, are we talking enough about how he transferred from Notre Dame for academic reasons? Like, yeah. there wasn't a talent issue there. So we basically just got a young wide receiver who, in under normal circumstances, would have no business not being in the Power 5 yeah. conference. And that's the thing. He's young. He's a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. He's a redshirt freshman. He was a freshman last year. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah so. I don't know how they're... I don't know how they're classified. I think, I think on the roster it had him as a redshirt freshman, but I'm not 100% sure. But it's all really weird. But yeah, I don't know. I just think that UCF... Yeah, I think Jalen Robinson could be that number one, but I think UCF with, with um, Marlon Williams gone kind of is going to be waiting to see who steps up to be the number one. And I think it could be a variety of guys, and I think maybe it is just going to be a collective effort and might not be a clear number one as there has been in past years. But I think Jordan Johnson, just from a pure talent standpoint, is a guy that could break out and have a really, really good season. I mean, he was he was a top 40 player in yeah. his class. I mean, that's crazy. That, 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 that I mean, he might just be – and as I've long gone into – I don't want to put a ton of stock into that type of stuff because there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. But, like, just as far as, like – raw high school talent that he has to be one of the top yeah. that's ever been on UCF's rosters. I mean, we'll see how it pans out. But yeah. I am really curious, because there are so many question marks at receiver, like, I am curious how much of an impact, like, is he an immediate impact guy? Because we also didn't have him for springs, so we didn't really yeah. get a chance to see anything there. Kind of the same goes for Titus, too. Our uh, four-star freshman, I'm curious mm. how, uh, if he'll factor in or not. Yeah, it is interesting, because I think to an extent, being here for spring obviously helps, and I definitely from the start of fall camp, you'll see, I think, some of the guys from, from spring camp that the, the coaching staff's familiar with, they'll mix in more, I think. But I think as the season goes on, and it doesn't necessarily mean, like, the, the starting guys or those guys that were here in the spring have to, like, falter or anything, but I think just when you have that kind of talent at the position, you're going to want to get them on the field. And I also don't the think field, there's as much to that as people make out. Like, yeah. Mike Hughes showed up on campus two weeks before the FIU game, right? I think so. <laughs> and, and it was, was by, like, the second or third week where he was, uh, like, main It was that Maryland game, game yeah. where it was like, okay, yeah, Mike Hughes is the guy. So, yeah. I, I don't I – mean, I mean, yeah, you, you do have an inherent advantage. But the other thing is, like, UCF's going to – I mean, assuming things go to plan, there's going to be a lot of blowouts in, in here. I'm not saying the Boise game or the Louisville game, yeah. but, like, Bethune – I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a lot – of these younger guys to get on the field and get some reps. So I, I don't think that, I, like like what you said, like if he has the talent, he will have the opportunity to show yeah. the game. And that's the thing is if, if he gets put on the field and he, he's able to do what everyone expects him to do, he'll get more opportunities. Absolutely. And so that's the thing too is because he's so young too, this could just be like the launching the launching point for his college career. Yeah. So I, that's, that's the I mean, my, yeah, my he breakout. He's going to have four years of eligibility basically, yeah, right? which is crazy. It's, yeah. it's crazy to think that, that UCF could have him for, for a long time to come, but... He's my breakout player of the year uh, candidate. I want to know yours now. I want to say one more thing on okay. Jordan Johnson. It would actually also be very advantageous if he's very good because I like we've talked about before. Well, obviously, like duh, but <laughs> we've talked a lot about how UCF. I mean, so much to me of the sales pitch with this transfer portal is what can make UCF in the future. And if you can like yeah. become a portal destination for wide receivers, I mean, I mean, like, and we'll get into that with my breakout player pick, but I. I think that that just could pay dividends long term. I mean, you look at like I don't know. I don't necessarily think that we've made it much uh, enough noise about the fact that UCF got four transfers drafted this past year into the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think those are the type of stats you really need to emphasize because it's like, you, you know, I mean that that so much. I mean, the way you construct rosters is changing, and I really think that showing portal guys that you are a destination and you can take these guys who are transferring and put them in the NFL that's huge to me. Now I'm trying to figure out who yours is because you said. Speaking. My breakout player is Jalen Robinson. Oh, okay. I want to explain. He didn't break out last year? No, I don't think so. I felt like all the attention went to Marlon last year. Well, it did, but... I would not have called Jalen a breakout player last year. 
And my take on it now is that, so he had 55 catches for 979 yards and six touchdowns. I had no idea he was that close to 1,000 yards. I, yeah, see, I, maybe it just, I don't know, I did. So maybe Really? I, okay, yeah. I that really caught me off guard. Yeah. I, and I assume he's going to be our number one option this year. I would think so. And it, and we'll see, because obviously it's a new coach, but it's kind of transcendent coaches, like both under Frost and Heupel, like UCF's number one receiver just puts up like stupid numbers and just goes on to all the success. So I just had to pick. I think that Jalen Robinson might just be the next guy up. I mean, we've seen that Traquan was insane, then Gabe Davis came and was insane, then Marlon Williams. It's just been this never-ending train of just this number one guy just popping yeah. off. And if I had to pick our number one receiver is going to be, it's going to be Jalen Robinson. I think he could have a super awesome season. And I guess part of it, too, is why I'd say breakout is, like I said, I think he just got overshadowed by Marlon. I mean, everything was about Marlon last year. I, I, I mean, I, I was so caught off guard that he had close to a thousand yards through a ten game season. Yeah, and I think just because I was doing that player of the game feature thing, like every week, I was kind of looking at his stats week by week, and I was like, oh, he's getting up there, he's getting up there, and he just he finished just shy. But yeah, I, I think you can't really go wrong with him as you know your number one receiver, especially with the familiarity that he has with Dylan Gabriel and what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. He's pretty he fast too. He is. He is, and he's gonna be. He's gonna be another guy that I think. He's his size might work against him, but I'm just kind of curious to see what his NFL prospects are because I think, from a from a talent standpoint and from just his speed, there, there's got to be use for that kind of guy in the NFL. I mean, he's like the receiver version of Killens. It feels like yeah. sometimes. So it's kind of like we'll see. Yeah, it sucks. How that... how tall is he? Like he's not tall actually. Because I, I know he's probably listed. So let's see. He's listed at five nine. So the fact that, that he's, he's listed at five probably nine. like five seven. Yeah, if we're being seven. honest. But the thing is, he's so fast. He's so dynamic. Well, that's the thing is, if you're gonna make it to the league with that size, you have to be like ridiculously fast, and he's ridiculously fast. Yeah. Like, and it's not like I mean, let's not forget. I mean, he came from Oklahoma. This isn't a dude who was you know even undervalued as a high school prospect. Right. So I mean, I'm really excited for him. Yeah. So we both went receiver for for breakout. So this is funny because I felt there was a very obvious candidate that neither of us touched on. Is it on the offensive side of the ball? Yes. Is it a running back? Yes. Is it R.J. Harvey? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I almost picked, like, three different running backs as well. Well, what I because I was looking at running backs first, too, and what yeah. I ran into is there's just so many of them, I feel like no one's going to be able to actually break out. Well, that's... We'll get, we'll get to there. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Is my... that, does that connect to another one? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's actually okay. another teaser, and it's part of my, uh, my biggest surprise, which is... Basically, just a bold prediction. Let's just go into biggest surprise. All right, this is uh, this this is not going to happen, but it's going to happen okay. in my head. Um, so my biggest surprise is that UCF will have both a one thousand yard rusher and a one thousand yard receiver. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, I told you it was a bold prediction. Thousand yard receiver, yes. <laughs> well, see, this is rusher. the thing. This is what makes it extra bold, is because that hasn't happened to UCF since two thousand five. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, because the whole through this era, they've always had a stable running back, so it's never been like. Yeah. And what then, if we count Otis and Greg as one person? I would think that water bottle just fell. Yeah. Um, I, water I, I would think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. Well, then there you go. But no, but count. I just I but with I mean I'm literally trying to list their running backs in my head, and I'm getting dizzy. They have so many like guys who Mark could contribute. Mark Anthony Richards, Bentavious Thompson. RJ Harvey, Harvey, Trillian Coles. Very good. Oh yeah, that's another one. There's a lot of There's them. There's a bunch in there. That's man. the thing though, is is I we we've gotten used to this running I, back. Isaiah by, Bowser. Yeah, we've gotten There's <laughs> so many. We've gotten used to this running back by by committee kind of thing, but I don't and we talked about this a long time ago, I think, when Malzon first got to UCF. I don't know that he really goes by committee that frequently. And I think he in the past he has out of necessity, but I think there's more likely to be 
under Malzahn than, than any of the two previous coaches that were here. I mean, he's more likely to be a, a clear number one guy. And then, yes, they're going to use the other guys, but the number one guy could get a solid, I don't know how, how many plays they're going to run, but solid 20 carries a game. I don't we know. also forgot about Johnny Richardson. Oh, yeah. There's okay. so many there's running backs. a lot of I, running I, backs. But uh, this thing, like, with a room that deep, if you want, and Joan Forte. Like, there, there's so many, <laughs> I just, gosh. If you want to get, because so many of these guys are young, if you want to keep them from transferring, you got to have them involved. And I also, and I've said this before, maybe I'm just flat out wrong, but like, I, Bentavious has not struck me as a guy that is so talented that you can get away with just having like a one running back offense and he's your guy. I just don't see that. The, the thing to me, and I don't know if this is just pure hype in my brain, but I think Mark Anthony Richards is going to be the number one guy. Which, really? Eventually. Maybe not from day one. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, okay. But I just think. I was just looking at, he didn't really play a ton at Auburn last year, but just what he did in the time that he did play, he seems to have something there where, I think it was, it was the game against Alabama, he had like 4.1 yards per carry, he ran like 14 times for 57 yards, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's clear, like, there's clear ability there, and I just, we'll see, I guess, how early he can figure in. And like I said, this, <laughs> I don't know why I turned like most, like biggest surprise into like a, just a complete bold prediction, but <laughs> something that hasn't happened since Kevin Smith and Brandon Marshall did it. But two legends, yeah. I mean, why not make more legends this year? I will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could say that every year. I will make a bold prediction to match your bold prediction. Okay. I will say, and it's gonna kill yours actually. I will yes. say that by the Cincinnati game, which is the midway point of the season, Bentavious will not be UCF's number one option running back. Oh yeah, I don't think so either. Okay. I don't know if it's a bold he prediction or if it's just a prediction. Be, I think he'll start the season at the, in that role, but I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy undervaluing him, but he just, like... I think you undervalue him. I think I think more highly of him than you do. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I don't think down on him or anything. Like, I'm not like, right. oh, Bentavious is, you know, a dud or anything like that. He just never had that gene to me. Like, there, like there was just no point with... Where it's, and it's not like he's young either. He's been here for a few years. There was never a point where I'm like, yeah, this guy needs to be getting more reps over Otis or Greg. Well, counterpoint, he hasn't gotten those reps as like the clear number one guy, so we don't really know yet. Isn't that kind of the point? No, because the other guys were that good. I, I mean, yeah. no, Because there was, there was a time, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, where he would kind of come in and just, it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he was running for 15 yards. I don't agree and, with that. And he was, I don't remember, what was one year he had like eight touchdowns, didn't he? I'm looking at the stats. I think in 2019, a lot of touchdowns. But it was also because he was a little bigger, so it was like they'd get in those yeah. like, third and short situations, so those like goal line situations. And he well, that's in. where I think there was also times where they just didn't use him and they would put in a smaller running back, and I was like, this makes absolutely no sense. There were a lot of things that made absolutely no sense over the last few years. Yeah, yeah he had 2019, he had 604 yards and eight touchdowns. So yeah, and how many carries? 87 to 87 carries. So what's and, that? I don't know what that is. Uh, per carry. Yeah, you think I'd be able to forget that. That's, that was seven yards a carry. See, that's insane. Okay, but then 2020, he only averaged five yards a carry. That's still really good. I know. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm losing my, I'm losing ground. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to defend my take and I'm running out. Um, yeah, it's also hard. What game did he miss? This has only played nine games. In I don't game. know. But the thing, the thing, basically what, what I think is like. He had three receptions for 12 yards. The key to this, sweet. the key to this prediction slash like surprise to me is that I didn't name which receiver or which running back would get to the thousand yard mark. Okay, name them. Name, no. them. name them. No. All right, I'll name them for you. Jalen Robinson's uh, going to be the receiver if I had to name It's going to be Ryan O'Keefe. Oh, really? And, no, I don't know. Okay. Who's going to be their, like, deep ball threat this year? Because if anyone's going to have a shot to make that, probably Jalen, right? Because you just want to torch a guy. Yeah, but O'Keefe's really fast. Like, they have yeah, so O'Keefe much speed. Yeah, really fast. They have yeah. so much speed. Titus coming in his first I, year. He could. I don't know. I just, I think there's way too many running backs for that to happen. I did, yeah, probably, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll just see how, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see because this is a. 
a new coaching staff. I'm just curious sure. to see how they use how sure. they use the running backs. We'll see. But and now I it's time for my biggest surprise. Yeah, what's your? I think surprise? my biggest surprise is maybe not going to feel like a surprise to many UCF fans, but I think nationally. And this okay. came from so. Just in typical me fashion, I pissed off a bunch of Cincinnati fans on Twitter earlier this week, <laughs> and a lot of Cincinnati fans tweeting at me. And I did not realize, like, I always, one of the things that really bothers me about college football, especially preseason college football, is that even though it has never once worked out this way, the vast majority of preseason predictions are, what did that team do last year? Oh, that's how they'll be this year. <laughs> like, that, like, that is pretty much, and we fall into it every year. Like, the, the, the preseason AP poll is typically, unless there's dramatic losses or dramatic gains, Pretty close to a carbon copy of the final AP Top 25, yeah. plus Texas for some reason. <laughs> and I, the thing this is, like... This year be plus LSU. So many... <laughs> you're, yeah, but LSU should probably be in there. Um, so many Cincinnati fans tweeted at me, like, we're going to torch that stupid, awful defense <laughs> so much. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... Did they call it stupid, awful? <laughs> I might have added the stupid, awful. But there were a lot of... People were getting kind of nasty. But there was a lot... And I realized, like, oh, and I started looking at some tweets. I'm like, oh, like... AAC fans of other teams think that UCF's defense is bad. And I'm like, that's going to be the big surprise. I don't think people are realizing <laughs> UCF's actually going to... I'm not saying UCF's going to have an elite defense gonna, or anything this year, but I, almost I, went think, this route. I think they could have a really solid defense. I think I almost, I could catch some teams off guard. I almost went this route, but then I was like trying to quantify it, and I was like, nah, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to do that. I mean, they have. there's going to be so many new starters versus last year, and the other guys from last year are a bunch of underclassmen who got a ton of playing time. Yeah. I think I mean I'm not like I said I don't think they're going to be elite, but I also think they're not going to give up 33 points a game. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, for Cincinnati fans to say that they're going to torch UCF's defense, this, so this UCF defense is going to be better than one last year. They didn't even torch the one last year. They put up 36 points. 36, that's not horrible. That's not terrible. It's but it's not they like, put up on a lot I would not call that torching. No, that was not a game where they got yeah, torched. I would not say that you, that Cincinnati torched UCF's defense last year. So for that, that's. I, think I mean, I think they're getting. I mean, because like, UCF fans, I will admit, obviously, are very arrogant. But Cincinnati fans are getting up there. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. And, and I mean this from a place of love, UCF fans, because I love how arrogant UCF fans are. That's honestly part of the brand. Like, you're not arrogant if you don't claim a national championship after not making the playoff. Like, it's great, and I love it. <laughs> Cincinnati fans are arrogant with absolutely no reason to be arrogant. Like, they Very lost their Peach Bowl. They I, Even their undefeated season, which, of course, like, going 9-1 and one is not unimpressive. But it just it, it wasn't the same as what UCF did or even as Houston has done or Memphis and they're just acting like well, they run the conference and have to. I don't forever. mean to pull this card, but who did they play? Oh boy, we really want and to. And how much? How how much did they leave their their state? I think that the biggest shock to me about Cincinnati season last year, that the closest thing that I would say would be a fraudulent season, which I'm not saying it's a fraudulent <laughs> season. I'm not saying that. Other people are. People are saying. Pe- people are saying, <laughs> is they played on the road twice. They played on the road two times. And they played at SMU, which is notorious for not having fans, even in a normal year. And they played at UCF, which they just would not have won that game if there was a crowd. They barely won it. They we barely won it against about, a mediocre UCF team in an empty stadium. We don't talk enough about how UCF should have won that game. They really should have. Well, is, you know, but it, it was it was almost like Hypel's revenge because they lost that game because wasn't it like a slant route and Marlon Williams had that? Hypel was like, fine, I'll use the middle of the field and it cost UCF <laughs> the game. It was like Hypo was like told you all. He's like I got the last laugh. So I just I'm I'm really like I, I bet yeah I think the biggest surprise will be the defense. But yeah I don't know what Cincinnati fans are on at this point. I really I don't get where and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll steamroll their schedule and but they just have serious 2016 Houston vibes to me at this point where they're gonna come in like we have all the hype and we're gonna be a playoff team and then they're gonna be like five and three by the middle of the season. I can't wait seven more weeks. We'll see. Yeah. All right, we're getting on to our last one. Biggest disappointment. 
I went first last time, so you go first this time. Okay. Um, the offense points per game average, I mm. think, is going to be the biggest disappointment. I don't think it's going to be a bad thing, but I think we're very accustomed to ridiculous points per games, which was a product of Brooke Frost and Heupel's offense. I like to, yeah. Malzahn's offenses just don't... I mean, they beat teams soundly. They win by about as many points as UCF does now, but whereas UCF might win a game like 48-28, to 28, they might be winning a game like 35-7 to 7 in yeah. this system. And I think that's fine, but I looked up... 2017 Auburn, the team that UCF beat in the last really elite Auburn team that Malzahn had, they averaged 33 points a game. Which I feel like in a in a vacuum, be very happy with that. You see, but I feel like in a vacuum, UCF fans would be very upset with that. Yeah. And honestly, like if you just told me like blindfold before I knew who the coach was, UCF's going to average 33 points a game, I'd be like, that's a problem. But <laughs> I think that will be a disappointment because we've been used to for basically five years now of just like yeah, we're going to put up leading the country. Leading, yeah, yeah. And, but it, but that was at the expense of the defense, yeah. and it cost UCF games multiple times. So I just don't think Malzahn's best was in 2013, his first year when they went to the national title game. They averaged 39 points a game. Mm-hmm. I maybe UCF average that. We'll have to see. But I also just I can I, I can see it I can see it too. But I feel like UCF's average is going to be somewhere in the 30s and not the 40s. Yeah. And I feel like there are going to be people that are going to react negatively to that. Well, not to put you on the spot, but like last year wasn't it like 40, 40, 41? Like it wasn't like in the deep end. I of the 40s, don't know it off the top of my head. But I don't I think it was. Believe like... it was 42. Okay. I, yeah. I, so I mean, don't quote me on that, even though I just said it. Yeah. Because no. I don't remember. I don't think it's going to be like a drastic like drop off and oh my gosh let's panic. But I get where you're going. Where you get where you're coming from. I think like. The reaction is going to warrant, like, I think, because in terms of the biggest disappointment, like, I don't know necessarily the number's going to be that disappointing, but I think a lot of people will perceive it as disappointing. I think well, you're, I we'll think... see. I was at 42.2 points per game, is what they averaged last year. That's genius. Like, they averaged 42 points a game and went six and four. So it's like, <laughs> but, but yeah, but I actually Scoring don't. Scoring points doesn't work. <laughs> Man, that USF game. I I think the reaction will depend on the record. Like, I don't think UCF fans are going to be complaining if UCF's like nine and one or something. Like, I don't think they're going to care. But we'll see. Right. But I I just think I think what that was always kind of a point of pride for even when the wins weren't there, like this past season of well, we're going to score a ton of points no matter what. So that that can be qualified as a disappointment to me. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like a a disappointment as in this has ruined the season. It's just it's a different it's a different it's a different system. It's a different way of doing things. Yeah. I get that, and my my biggest disappointment, which I teased earlier with the draft talk and Dylan surrounding Dylan Gabriel, oh my biggest disappointment is that Dylan Gabriel still won't get the recognition he deserves after having another very good season. And I know what you might be thinking is that he was just ranked the fourth best quarterback in the country by Pro Football Focus, but Pro Football Focus seems to be the outlier with Dylan Gabriel. That's fair because. That's fair. I think if you look at it, and I'm not saying that Desmond Ritter didn't deserve to win Conference Player of the Year or whatever, but Dylan Gabriel hasn't won Conference Player of the Year. I think he'll get passed over for that again, even if he does deserve it. And if you look at you know, way too early mock drafts for 2022, Dylan Gabriel's not showing up even like, I'm looking at four-round mocks, and he's not in any of the four, first four rounds. Meanwhile, I've seen some that Desmond Ritter is a first-rounder. Which is just and hilarious so, for absurd. some reason. But I'm just thinking that he's going to have another very good season, and I think he's still not going to quite get that that status as an elite quarterback in the eyes of most of the country, which I think he deserves. And I think pro football focus rightly has given him that or giving him, I think, I don't know. They, they did like the, the rankings. They did like based on tiers, didn't they? Yeah. And I said he was like kind of, cause there's only Spencer Rattler was, was the only one in the top tier, which yeah. I think knowing what we know now is fair. Yeah. For the record. But I, I think they, I mean, their, their assessment of Dylan Gabriel, I think is the best that, we've seen from any other um, which it's a little self-serving when we're like the one that ranks him the highest we're like that's the best no i'm just saying I'm, be- I mean by by best i mean like giving him the highest praise yeah. not that yeah. their assessment but yeah i'm not saying it's accurate but 
I do kind of think it's most accurate too, but um, <laughs> that's not what I was originally saying. This but... is going to sound awful, but my initial thought when I saw the PFF thing was I was like, four seems really high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I, I think, and this isn't like a whole, like, oh, everybody, like, the AAC is against UCF, because obviously Mackenzie Milton won it back to back years, but it just seemed very much like, unless UCF, like, goes undefeated, or unless they, like, win the conference or whatever, they're not going to get the same love in the postseason like the, the well i've award. said this before and it's a huge problem in my opinion is that and it's again like i know i joke about the desmond ritter stuff a lot but this isn't like a born of hate of desmond ritter thing it's just the aac set what in my opinion was a really dumb precedent last year that for the and i'm not saying dylan gabriel should have won aac mm-hmm. offense player of the year i just think it's not a good precedent that we say we're gonna pick who the best team is in our conference that year and we will give all the awards to them. Like, <laughs> Cincinnati did not win because of Desmond Ritter. They won because they had an elite defense. Desmond Ritter was not the best quarterback in the conference. And you look at some of the recent AAC Offense Player of the Year winners, and he does not stack up against them. And I just... But what they did is they... In a short season, fair, to be fair. And but, I'm, but I'm not saying, like, from cumulative stats, yeah. he's just not as good of a player. Like, Desmond Ritter Mackenzie Milton is not a debate. It's not even kind of a debate. Not even close. And I just don't like the idea that we're saying, okay, who's the New Year's Six team this year? That's New Year's Six team? Okay, their quarterback's the best one. It's like, that's not the way that yeah. works. Yeah, so that's, that's my, my thing. Is my, my, I think my biggest disappointment is that, not that like, maybe they do that or just that Dylan Gabriel has a really, really good season and somehow someone else just gets the award and gets passed, he gets passed over for it again. And if, It's going to be think, interesting. If, if he if, does go to the NFL like we think, that's him leaving UCF without winning that award, which I think in a lot of ways his performances warranted him being in that conversation more than he has been. This is a tangent we're not going to get on, but I think we should talk about soon. Where does Dylan Gabriel right now rank among UCF quarterbacks all time? We could get there. We could get there. We just don't have time for it now. We could get there another problem. I want to think on it a little bit too. I have to figure out where I'm putting Justin Holman. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, that's that's, uh, what I'm saying my biggest disappointment is, but... Again, we'll see. I would like to be wrong about that and you know have UCF have a really good year, Gabriel have a great season, and him get player of the year, or at least just get some more love nationally because and I think a lot of ways too is is the national the national reputation that he has is like, ooh, like he's right on the cusp of being like very, very good. But like he has been very, very good. He's had some shortcomings. He, he has but we've become known time. as we've become known as the podcast like hates on Dylan Gabriel and is like anti Dylan Gabriel. That's some fair criticisms in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think there's this thing. He's had shortcomings. We've we've maybe dwelled on the shortcomings in earlier podcasts, but this is none of that was to say that he's a bad quarterback, obviously. And I think he's not getting given enough credit on you know the the national landscape. No, I talk people on Twitter about our earlier podcast, like, oh, I, you think that Dylan Gabriel sucks, and I'm like, I really just never said that. He's literally the best quarterback in the conference. I just it, it just and I've said this before, so I don't get on the tangent again. But I just I always felt like Mackenzie Milton was a generational talent. Dylan Gabriel's not as good as Mackenzie Milton. And I felt like he was getting a lot of passes just kind of because he inherited that Milton mantle of, like, he's the Hawaiian quarterback, and they went to the same high school. And I'm like, I don't know why we're just kind of giving Dylan Gabriel a pass on a lot of shortcomings. But at the same time, still a very good quarterback. And I think he's going to still be the best quarterback in the conference this year. And if he's improved in the ways we expect him to in Malzahn's system, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I'm excited for what Dylan Gabriel can do. I would love to be wrong. I hope people are going to pull up those podcasts and be like, Christian Simmons is the biggest idiot in the world. I would (laughs) love that. People will say that that. anyway, though. They do. Um... (laughs) That sounded so sad. That they do. <laughs> but um, that's where we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll leave the preseason awards there. I really, really do want to revisit this by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. we'll get to we'll get some. I'm sure we'll do our postseason awards and yeah. we'll compare who we picked. We should we should definitely do that. But um, I hope we gave RJ Harvey some motivation. <laughs> as we're uh, as we're running up against the time here, we'll jump in. We'll we'll go ahead and do some football news. Um, it's getting closer to football season, 
The new turf in the Nicholson Fieldhouse has now been installed. It looks amazing, and mm-hmm. it's just funny that like they never really thought like, oh, like we need new turf. But like now that it's now that it looks the way it does, I'm like, wow, we had bad turf before. <laughs> I'm kind of confused what Danny White was doing now, because like I didn't like I thought I assumed our facilities were great, and then Mahadra came in and was like, did you guys know your facilities suck? And it's just been like <laughs> I was like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I know it's really caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of kind of speaking of facilities, also inside the bounce house. I'm sure everyone reali- or remembers uh, former offensive lineman Aaron Evans had painted a mural inside the bounce house, and he's currently working on a new one for the new season. Really, really curious to see what that's going to look like. I'm sure it's going to look great. Um, former Missouri quarter- cornerback Jarvis Ware is joining the Knights this season. He's transferring another transfer. I don't know. That's like 14 or 15 at this point, I think, uh, for the 2021 UCF roster. He's starting at Missouri, too. Yeah, and, and that's, I think that's a big get, and we'll see, we'll see how quickly he can assimilate into the roster. Assimilate. I surprised myself with that word. Um, <laughs> Solid word. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll move on. Former kicker Dylan Barnes is back in Orlando as the kicker of the Orlando Predators, which I consistently forget that the Predators still exist because the Tampa Bay Storm now don't exist in the arena. This football is not. League. This is not the same Predators. No, it's not. This is because the, the arena football the league doesn't <laughs> exist yeah. anymore. Um, I don't even remember the name of the league they're in. Honestly, I think it's the indoor football league or something. Is that what it is? Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Seven. It's not important. No. <laughs> okay. Um, another addition to UCF's, uh, well, the class for next year is four-star cornerback Nikai Martinez, uh, native to Apopka. So huge to get him to stay home. Um, one of the, I think, the biggest recruit so far in the Malzahn era. Yeah, right? the first four-star. Yeah, the right? first four-star. UCF's so. had two four-stars in the past five months, and they had zero in three years under Heupel and one under Frost. So. Just crazy, crazy take, times. Like, take that as you will. Yeah. Um, Kareem Reed. Facts. Kareem Reed was named the director of player development this week after Steve Smith departed for a role with Dreamfield, and I know it's that's the uh, the company that uh, not doing it real that Mackenzie Milton and Derek King started, right? That is the most nil thing in the world. Mackenzie Milton's poaching our coaches. <laughs> that is like the most nil thing I've ever heard. It's kind. Of, it's just kind of funny, honestly. Um, and finally, for football, Media Day will be held virtually on August fourth. Um, so that's you know right around the corner, really, um, about a half a month away. And elsewhere around UCF athletics, we'll do three notable things here. Uh, the volleyball schedule has been released. Um, they open up with the UCF Challenge on August 27th and 28th against Georgia Tech, St. John's, and Penn State. Then they have also have non-conference games against Clemson, South Carolina, Florida State, Georgia, and Miami. And then conference play opens on September 24th against ECU. UCF hasn't lost a conference game since November of 2019, so that will be on the line when they open up AAC play in September. Um, baseball news, three Knights were selected in the MLB draft. Colton Gordon went in the eighth round to the Houston Astros. Josh Crouch went in the 11th round to the Detroit Tigers. And Jack Sinclair went in the 16th round to the Washington Nationals. And our final piece of news for this week, uh, for UCF Athletics, the Keep Charging On Fund exceeded the $2 million goal. And we got you know another one of those great videos of um, Terry Mohajer just <laughs> sipping on the coffee right before he started talking. I love that that's just always, that's just become a thing. I don't know why, but I love it. I think we should get like t-shirts printed or something of him just like sipping on some coffee. With I would wear that. I, I mean, I think a lot of UCF fans would. I would wear that in the press box. We should probably get on that. We should we should do that before someone else does. Can we legally just steal his image? I don't know. Let's see what Mahadra's NIL is worth. <laughs> we could collaborate with him. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be open to that. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we'll leave the news for this week, and we'll jump into the Drip U quiz sessions. Entering week seven on a, a little bit of a down note, I lost. Uh, I lost. I was wrong last <laughs> week. I'm ten and five now um, over the first six weeks. So we'll see what's on tap this week. So I've got three questions for you. 
And these are interesting ones because we're not going to know whether or not you got them right for a few months. What? I want you to guess some combos for the 2021 season. Now, I'm not going to hold you to the decal because UCF always does some crazy stuff we never see coming with that, so we're not going to touch on that. But you've clearly got a good handle on UCF's uniforms because you've gotten most of my questions right. I think you got, what, like a 67% winning percentage? 10 and 5, so... It's pretty good. Yeah. So you you saw a D. So... (laughs) (laughs) If this was school and not sports. But anyway. (laughs) So I want to hear from you, what is UCF going to wear against Boise State? What are they going to wear at Louisville, and where are they going to wear against Cincinnati? Start with Boise State. What are they going to wear? What are we thinking? We thinking um, new combo, repeat? What are we going to see? This is horrible. <laughs> like, not only do we not know if I got these right until like a couple months down the line, I just am being blindsided right now, and I have to think of these on the spot. Yeah. So Boise State's a home game. Boise State is a home game. I'm aware of that. Um, Everyone got tired of big game gold last year, so I don't. Know I hope they don't. I don't know that they'll start. I don't know they'll start with gold helmets. Um, let me go. <laughs> no. Um, I hope you start naming the stupidest combos. Black ever. helmets. Okay. That'll be boring. Um, oh my god. Black jerseys. All right. Pewter pants. I think I hate that. Why? It's gonna look bad. And this is bad. I don't. I have. You, I, I you like need I a silver ideas. UCF decal to make that work. Then let's go with that. Because you need the pewter somewhere else on the jersey. Because I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say black, black, white, but I feel like that would not be like. They wore that once. I don't think that would not be that extravagant of a combo for the opener. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're gonna be on one. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know black, black pewter. Can I change that? Sure. I don't really have like a backup. After I said that, I was like, "That doesn't sound like something." Yeah, you know, no, you're locked in. You're, you're oh locked in for black gosh. here. I feel like it could literally, if they had like a silver or gray UCF deal, but even then, like you got you gotta have some white silver for the white numbers. I don't know, whatever. Okay, can I can I amend it? Okay, Please. amend it. Pewter helmets, black jerseys, pewter pants. Pewter black pewter. Yeah, I would go. I need them to go back to that. I would so actually be. An, I would actually be annoyed if they go Peter Helmets Black jerseys and then don't go Peter Black Black since I've wanted that combo for years. But well, Peter Black Peter it is. Peter we Black last Peter. saw that against ECU in 2019. Are you writing these down? Because I'm not going to remember this. It's a recorded podcast, Bailey. Are we going to go back? Okay, <laughs> as long as you're going to go back because I'm not going to um, remember to do Okay, that. at Louisville. At Louisville. It's a road game. It's a road obviously. game, so. Um, do with that what you will. This is a lots of repeat combo. Ah, I did not think you'd struggle with this. Why did you, Why not? I don't know. I never know what they're gonna wear. Just what do you want them to wear? You don't, I don't know, know what I want them to wear. Um, go ahead and give me the. They'll do big game gold for the, okay. the helmets. Okay. The white knighthead jerseys. Okay, which have historically done well on the road. Who cares? It's a, <laughs> it's a new staff. Um, and black pants which is a repeat combo I don't remember when they wore they wore that against Cincinnati in 2019 okay yeah they're gonna write those wrongs when they took the L which is awesome combo by the way yeah I liked it so So maybe that's why it's stuck Um, in my head alright and then for the big one at Cincinnati at Cincinnati which is a at Cincinnati which is a road game Um, (laughs) glad you were to put that one together (laughs) I'm just stalling for time as I'm saying (laughs) these things Um, Cincinnati yeah give me which for reference Cincinnati always goes blackout at home so they do I learned that this week. Can they? Ooh. Ooh. No, I don't think I'd do that. What? I was going to say they would go back to the P12 combo, but I don't think they will. I, mm. 
know. I feel like that would be a good. I mean, that's obviously obviously a good. Look. I'd like to see and, it with the what the reverse UCF the white yeah. UCF decal though. I don't think they're gonna. I see. I, that's what I would want them to. I would say like, I would want them to wear that, but I don't think that's what they're gonna do, and I want to get this right. So, mm, I don't really think I have an alternative though. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Gold, white, white. Okay. I, I'm Let's probably see. gonna go zero three. You're gonna go zero three. I hate that these were the questions. I feel like Cincinnati, the obvious choice was whiteout since they're going blackout, but that's fine too. We can stick with. Yeah, gold, but... I guess what, what we're gonna have to see this year is if big game gold is still gonna be a thing. I don't think we can call a big game gold anymore after last year. What do you mean? I only wore it for the biggest games like East Carolina, and which was an ABC game, so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got Bailey's combos. We've got black. Oh no, you switched it. You've got pewter black pewter yeah. for the Boise opener, which would look nice. I could see it. Yeah. yeah. Then we've yeah. got the 2019 Cincinnati combo, the gold helmet, the white night hit jersey, the black pants for Louisville. Also would look really good. Other combos look good. Except the black them. black pewter thing. <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, the Peach Bowl combo coming back for I Cincinnati. Don't, I don't think if they were, I would be fine if they wore all of those, though. Like, those would all no, be No, yeah, good. I think they would all look good. I just don't think they're going to wear any of them. Well, well they well, might we never, wear them, but... We never know what they're going to do. We, yeah. I'm always wrong. Well, this is what you, you just said. You're surprised that I'm struggling with this. Well, I, I don't... Well, then you I said, then you said well, we never know what like, they're going to do. But I, like, just pick what you want them to wear. Like, you know? I mean, okay. what would you... I mean, well, I ended up doing that, but that's I don't think that's actually what they're going to wear. <laughs> so... I'm going to be thrilled if you get one right. Like, I, mean, I feel like I'm, that will We'll throw a party. Oh, it'll be huge. We'll I, I think, like, emergency I really need to pad my stats for the next few weeks so that when I get all three of these wrong, it doesn't affect my record too much. <laughs> I'll throw you some softballs next week to think, make I up I think for I need them. I think I need them, but... Name all four of UCS helmets. <laughs> they have more than four helmets, don't they? What? They have more than four helmets. You count the space helmets. I just meant, like, base helmets, man. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking ahead of you then. <laughs> Is UCF dropping a Canaveral blue helmet in 2021? Ooh. No, don't get excited about that. That's a horrible idea. Oh, man. I'm just going to be thinking about that until next week. But until next week... You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Again, we'll be back next week. It'll be six weeks from kickoff. It'll be episode 27, and we will talk to you then. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.